Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Hey, creatives. Before we get started on today's episode with a very special guest, I want to announce something really exciting. We are bringing back the Small Biz Summit. This is our conference for creatives and entrepreneurs. An open thank you to Girl Can Craft. The Small Business Summit was powerful, inclusive, honest, and fucking inspiring. Invest in your mental growth. Love each other. Girl Can Craft is the real deal, making real change, and truly walking the walk when it comes to women supporting women. I'm honestly so impressed. That's what Laura from Lady Moon Co. had to say about our our in-real-life summit in 2019 in Oakland. So this is where it originated in real life in Oakland in 2019. And we cannot wait to bring back the vibes and energy of that day online. The 2021 Small Biz Summit will be four days of workshops, panels, and talks designed to help grow your biz taking place May 6th, 8th, 13th, and 15th. We know you all are Zoom fatigued. So each day is light with impactful content. Plus, everything is recorded so you can watch on your own time. We will reveal more soon, but for now, head to girlgangcraft.com slash smallbizsummit to reserve your spot. Tickets are on sale now. See you there. Our small biz directory is live at girlgangcraft.com slash shop small. Shop from 60 plus small female forward brands from all over the U.S. from categories like jewelry, vintage, apparel, CBD, sweets, and more. Check out Coento by Nika, the only place in the world where you can find a little bitch pillow for your little bitch tears. Shop for honest gifts, read short stories, and enjoy food and art with Nika. Check out her site, coentobynika.com, and follow on Instagram, coentobynika. So that's K-W-E-N-T-O-B-Y-N-I-C-A. Everyone is welcome. Tree Trunk Arts is true to nature jewelry, styled for the everyday, crafted for forever. Save 15% with coupon code GGC15 and follow on Instagram, Tree Trunk Arts. Check out Field Day Oakland in person and online. The store is a wonderland of slow fashion, US-made goods, and herbal apothecary. Code GGC Friends for 10% off. Follow Field Day Oakland on Instagram. Check out the intuitive goddess guiding you to become your authentic self and activate your passions to live a fulfilled life. Coupon code welcome for 15% off. Follow the intuitive goddess on Instagram. So head to girlgangcraft.com slash shop small and get some goodies and services for yourself or someone you love all while supporting small businesses. Hello, creatives. Welcome to Girl Gang Craft, the podcast. Super excited to have you here today. We have an old, 
you know, internet friend that we are bringing you. We've been in touch, you know, circling in each other's orbits for a little bit. So we have Sylvia Tennant on the podcast today. Sylvia Tennant is on a mission to create content, media, and jewelry that celebrates, represents, and includes bodies of all size. She is the designer, creative director, and owner of Zaleska Jewelry and has grown her team to include 30-plus artisans and staff in Bali, Indonesia, who help produce her gemstone-focused designs. Her passion for size inclusion in her industry has cemented Zaleska at the forefront of this conversation. Known as a community-minded entrepreneur, Sylvia also works as a curve model and consultant in the fashion industry and has shot campaigns for brands like Pennington's, Edition L, and Brunette the Label. Her previous work as a luxury travel writer and accessories columnist has taken her all over the world. Welcome, Sylvia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Phoebe. What an intro. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And it's just, it's so great. I feel like this is full circle because I must have bought a piece from you. Like my first piece from you was like maybe four years ago, like a while ago, maybe three, but I have several pieces from you. I have sapphire pieces and I'm a Virgo and, and you are too, right? I am. Yeah. Love it. What's your birthday? My birthday is September 10th. And okay. I'm actually a double Virgo. My moon You're a double and Virgo. My son are in Virgo. And then wow. my rising Sagittarius. So okay. I can I can plan your party. I can get all the details. I can have a great time. And then I'll also drive you home. That's kind of how I feel about my I love that. <laughs> I love that. I'm Virgo, Aquarius, Aquarius. Ooh. But my birthday is September 20th. So we both have the September birthdays. So the sapphire stone is our birthstone. So I love that. Me too. So great. But yeah, so I have a couple of your pieces. And yeah, it's just been amazing to sort of stay connected with you. And I remember, you know, reaching out to you when I was in Bali, too. So I'm really excited to hear about your Bali life. And we'll get into that in a second. But let's start with like, how did you get into the jewelry world? And and why did you start Zaleska? So I can answer both of the I'll start at the very, very beginning. So when, when I went to you, I went to UVic. And I studied fine arts and my mom would always come for weekends away. She'd come and I'd set her up. She'd have a really nice time visiting myself. And at the time I was living in a house with five other girls. So we just had a blast. And one Saturday she took me to a beading store in Victoria, BC. And there was a woman who was wire wrapping a ring and I had never really seen them before and I was absolutely fascinated. So I bought everything I needed. And at the time I was studying sculpture. So it felt like I could do something for school with it. And then I quickly realized that this was actually answering a problem or solving a problem that I have had for my entire life, which is you know not being able to find rings in my size that reflected my personal style. So my mother is also an avid thrifter and she and I have cruised thrift stores my entire life. And we started looking for vintage brooches and beads that I could wire wrap onto rings. So I started doing that as a young adult, I would say, like maybe 20, 21. And then my best friend, Danielle, at the time was also making jewelry. And she's actually the person who started Celeska. So I'm at the at the time she invited me to be a part of it with her, but our business and what has turned into my business was 
founded on on friendship. So it's a really special story for me to share because she's so special to me and the way that we were able to work together and co-create with so much love and adoration for each other's pieces was the, I guess you could say the foundation of the ethos behind the brand now. So it's pretty special. I love to hear that. And Danielle does tarot, right? She does, among other things. But yes, she is very well known for her tarot decks. Cool. I love that story. And so do you want to talk a little bit about that transition of you taking over and maybe what Zaleska is today? Sure. So we're making pieces alongside each other. And at the same time, Danielle was very seriously exploring her work as an artist and a digital collage artist, as well as a painter. And she's incredibly talented and has many mediums that she explores. And this tarot deck was continuously being built. And she could recognize that my passion aligned more with with jewelry, not that there was any partnership with the tarot whatsoever, but we were doing this beautiful thing together, but she also had this really incredible idea that she was chasing. And I was so excited to support her. And we've kind of always been each other's, how do you say it? Kind of always been each other's soundboards. I can't believe I forgot that word, but that's what it is. And it's such an, it's so nice to have someone who you can just be like, do you like this idea? What's going on? So we transitioned into our own businesses very organically. I honestly can't even tell you like what defining moment happened where we decided to have sister businesses and work alongside each other, but in slightly different ways. So that happened. And then I did some traveling overseas and that's how I actually discovered Bali. But I came home and I started teaching and now Zaleska, I feel like I'm giving you this fast forward version, but Zaleska is now based in Vancouver. Danielle is on Gabriela Island and now in Victoria as well. And we just live and work alongside each other, sort of. We don't really live alongside each other, but we have very intertwined lives, but we have separate businesses. I love that. I love a good friendship story. I have a Hannah uh, <laughs> that seems to fall along the same lines also. Shout out to Hannah here at Girl Gang Craft. She works here and has some other projects and she's she's my person as well. So I, I love to hear that. And the friendship sort of aligning with multiple projects and sort of coming together and, and apart, but always together in some way. So I think that's beautiful. Yeah, there have been many midnight phone calls where we've been like, is this cool? Do you think this is cool? Should I change it? What's Tell me everything. Tell me what you're feeling right now. <laughs> yes, I hear that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Especially if you run your own business, you have to have that person, I think, too. And you don't have, you know, necessarily a quote unquote co-founder who's running the business. So I think that's beautiful. I completely agree. And also just to have an example of someone doing the same type of thing alongside you, you know, starting your own business, sticking your neck out there and going into an industry that's also really, really special, but it's pretty niche. So to be able to have someone standing alongside you, cheering you on, I honestly do not know if Zaleska would have grown to be what it is without without Danielle's support. So it's been such an honor. The honor of my life is creating alongside her. Ugh, love it. So what does Zaleska mean? Okay. So Zaleska, it's just a name, really. Danielle picked it because it's 
started with a, a Z, you say Z in America, started with a Z, ended with an A. And I initially thought, and I just clarified this with her today, like earlier, I thought that it, she named the brand after Countess Zaleska, who is Dracula's daughter, because we both really love vampires. And we went through like a pretty intense vampire phase. And so I honestly thought that my current business was named after Countess Maria Zaleska. But Danielle is just like, actually, that's completely not true. And it, that I just like the name. So there you have it. That's hilarious. That's yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's just a really, I just love the name so much. But the cool thing about Countess Zaleska is that she would wear these magical gemstones and that's how she would lure her, whoever she was trying to lure, with her, with the magical power of her stones. So I find it quite fitting. Maybe there should be, you could have a little vampire capsule collection worked in there. <laughs> that sounds lovely. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Who knows? I think that's great. So, okay, backtrack a little bit. So you were teaching art to high schoolers. Is that correct? As you were growing the business? Yeah. So I graduated university. I did two degrees. So I did a fine arts degree and then I did an education degree. Danielle actually did the same too. And then I moved back to Vancouver, which is where I grew up. I was born and raised here. And I started as an on-call teacher in the Vancouver school district. So it was nice because I didn't have a full-time classroom. I could dip in and out of whatever classroom I kind of wanted to do. But that lasted for about four years. And it was really lovely because I could work only a few days a week and then also focus on my business the other days, as well as do a lot of markets on the weekends. So that was really fun. But I actually got let go of the Vancouver School District because it's the universe was just like, girl, you are never available. Why are you teaching? My schedule was just completely blacked out. They could never get me to teach. So we parted ways. <laughs> And here we are. So instead of having to make that decision yourself, it was like the universe being like, you really have to do this right now. (laughs) I like to think of it that way. I mean, I think there's so much fear in jumping, especially into full-time entrepreneurship where there is no safety net. I was very nervous. I was very nervous. But at the same time, I remember asking myself this question, will you regret not finding out if you can do it? And the answer was a wholehearted yes. So that's when I knew I could walk away. I didn't have to fight to get my job back because when I was hired as a teacher, there was no limitation on how many days you could take off. To the best of my knowledge, you could work one day a year and that would be plenty because they weren't paying me to be on the list. And then the the rules changed. So I was I was the teacher calling in from Bali being like, hi, actually, I'm not going to make it. So I won't be available for the next three months. Thanks. <laughs> Love it. Perfect. That's funny because that's sort of how I was too. I mean, I was trying to figure out my last waitressing job a little bit ago. And I, I don't remember what happened, but I think it was just sort of the same thing. It just didn't make sense anymore. I was teaching yoga also. And then yoga like didn't make sense anymore too. So it's interesting how that just happens and there's room for other things. And like all of a sudden you don't really have a choice in the matter and you're, you're doing this thing full time, you know, even if it's scary, it's wild, wild how that works out. So, okay. I want to hear a little bit about like your design process and what currently inspires you for your designs. Right now, I am 
um, designing from home for the first time in a very long time. I usually do most of my designing when I arrive in, in Bali. We usually go every January, February, sometimes March. So my inspiration at the, for this next collection, which I'm just starting to wrap up production on, is my closet. I love vintage. I love texture. I really love color. And you're going to see a lot of that in the next Zalaska collection. It's very much a reflection of what I'm currently wanting to wear right now and pieces that also go with, with other designs in the collection. So I'm really just trying to zhuzh up everything that I already have, as well as just kind of inject some color and some new, some new textures into, into what's already there. And I'm really excited about it. So I would say my closet is <laughs> definitely, I've been, I've been just waiting to wear all of these outfits. So watch out. There's going to be so much color on this Alaska feed and in my life very soon. I love that. There's kind of like a nostalgia for wearing clothes right now, isn't there? <laughs> yes. I'm wondering if we are going to have a resurgence of like intense 80s shoulder pads, which we're already seeing and bright makeup and just everyone is going to be dressed to the nines all the time. And I'm I'm here for it. I love a good daytime sequin. So you won't have to ask me twice. I miss it. I mean, I've been dressing up a little bit here in the house for, you know, videos and things like that. But like, clothes outside in the world. Miss that. Yeah, <laughs> do. So what have been your inspirations in the past then? Like when you were first, maybe f- going back to that first, those first times when you were designing, what, how did you pull inspiration from Bali or whatever? Tell us more about that. There has always been an undercurrent within my, even in the designs that I'm releasing this year, my inspiration has always been fairly focused on mysticism and the unknown and sacred energetic sites around the world and goddess energy. And I wanted to really dip my toe into creating pieces that already, that that felt kind of like treasures And as someone who occupies a larger body, when I was designing, initially designing, you know, my first few pieces, I was designing pieces that I had never seen before in my finger, in my ring size or in my chain length. So that is also a huge part of my inspiration process and something that I have carried through since the very beginning, because I want to design around what pieces look good on, on both large and small fingers. You know, I want to be able to include a heavy design element into what I'm putting out there. It's not just a simple band. It has reverence. It has meaning. And that meaning is, is something that I can tell a story about. And that really is what it is. It's, it's like an autobiography of all the things that I've found myself interested in over the years. And there is very much kind of mystical theme to it. And this year is no exception, but it's also just like so much color, which is really exciting too. I love it. Are, can you tell us more like just the jewels are color? Or are you incorporating color into the metal or anything? Can you <laughs> share your secrets or no secrets yet? <laughs> yeah, oh, I can tell you everything. I'm always down okay. to fill. So I'm looking at my design board right now. So we have a lot of pinks and purples. 
some orange garnets. We're doing an ametrine, which is a very cool, unique stone. It's quite rare to get in its natural state with having the bicolor of the amethyst and the citrine. So it will literally go from purple to yellow. And that's going to be in a beautiful pendant with a rectangle kind of emerald cut stone. And then we have opals, which have been highly requested for a very long time. So we are dipping our toes back into opals. We're going to do some green peridot, some pink quartz. Actually, it's not pink quartz. It's going to be topaz. I'm leaning into topaz lately. I really like it. So a lot of purples, pinks, greens, magical opals, which are like every color. And you never know what color you're going to get in an opal. The flash is so beautiful. So it's a lot brighter than the standard, you know, labradorite and moonstone that has the blue flash or the the greeny yellow flash, but there isn't as much of, I guess, a rainbow of colors. So I'm just having a lot of fun with it right now. So how many pieces do you normally release in each collection? And what does that collection cycle look like year to year? Are you sort of doing new collections every year and then getting rid of old pieces? Or tell us a little bit about that. I usually design in a 16 month calendar. So I'll go to Bali in January and I will design 16 months worth of jewelry in two months. So I will set myself up to be able to be there in person with my team. And we have so much fun through the process of, you know, working with my illustrator tutus to our incredible team that is in production that help, whether it's like our account manager, you know, there's so many amazing people that, that bring this to life. So I'm there for two months creating approximately 50 designs that I will release in small batches over the the next year and a bit. I usually like to design up until April of the next year so that when I get to Bali the next January, I'm not rushing to push something out. I can kind of take my time and really marinate my ideas. So that's what I had been doing. But because I couldn't go to Bali this year, I've been designing over WhatsApp And I'm doing more of a design now, order now type of process. So I can actually count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about nine or 10 pieces launching in late April, early May. And that is going to be like a capsule. And then I'm going to launch four limited edition necklaces over the summer. And then I'll have a second or third launch in September for our birthdays. Love it. And how does that model work for you? I just know that, you know, some people go with like the wholesale seasons and the, you know, the fashion industry has a very specific model. Yeah. Is there like reasoning behind this when you're submitting like the release of this, like the capsule versus the smaller collections? What's sort of the strategy behind that? That is an excellent question, Phoebe. (laughs) I don't really have a confined strategy that I adhere to. I certainly understand why fashion has more of like a spring, summer, fall, winter rollout. That being said, I don't necessarily feel as though accessories falls into that per se. You know, jewelry is quite seasonless. And as I am continuing to lean into being more of an e-commerce brand, I'm realizing how much agency I do have over releasing my pieces and when I can, you know, put them out into the world and how I want them to be delivered and how I can make them feel as special as possible. So in terms of 
pace of development and release and design, I'm completely writing that as I go. And it's a very intuitive process for me. I obviously have seasons where I lean into more of a a launch, say spring, for example, that is going to be a larger amount of pieces and as well as fall as we prep for the holiday season. But I do like to sprinkle little launches in between as I can. And it's, it's completely, I'm really just writing my own book when it comes to that. And okay, I know this, none of these questions are pre-prepared now, but I'm just, I'm just, just going <laughs> to ask you because I think there are so many, I think there's so many, you know, our listeners are service-based and product-based, but there's so many makers who, again, like you also are sort of leaning into this e-commerce thing and, you know, adjusting to launches and limited releases and myself included, you know, it's been, it's been a struggle, you know, launches are hard and scary for me. And, you know, so I don't know, do you want to talk a little bit more about like, what does it feel like to launch? And like, I don't know, any tips and tricks about launching and putting your product out into the world and like, you know, having people buy it or, you know, not buy it? And what does that feel like? Well, I can only speak from my personal experience. But what I can say is that if you can't tell a story with your product, if it doesn't land deeply within you, you're going to struggle a little bit, or at least, you know, I did when I first started making jewelry, I had this idea of what I wanted it to be. And that simply wasn't for me. You know, I wanted to be in 500 stores around the world and I wanted to have this incredibly successful wholesale business. And now I realize that I just want to make really cool stuff and share it with my friends who I feel like everyone who is on our Instagram account, I'm constantly in the DMs getting to know our customers. So when it comes to a launch, you know, that's your ticket into really having a highlight on telling the best story you possibly can about the pieces that you've made to be able to highlight them in a way that other people can feel how special they are to you. So the way that we do it is I spend a lot of time writing. I also like to teach people how to style their pieces. You know, a lot of us are a little bit, not necessarily nervous, but fashion fashion approaches people in different ways. So I like to showcase how I would style it, you know, on my body size, but I would also like to showcase it on other body sizes. And I'm I'm really going to lean into that this spring. I'm going to do a shoot with a bunch of different models, which I'm very excited about. But every every launch does look different. What is most important, though, is how you tell your story and how people connect to it. So whether that's, you know, I've never done this, but <laughs> I'm giving advice, but I've never done it. Doing a live, which I'm really excited to do. And get questions going from your from your consumer base. You know, what do you want to know about the new collection? I love dropping a good hint. I love a good like black and white video of one fragmented piece of a design. I'm such a sucker for hype. So I'll do that all day long. But a good tease. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. But it's also really fun for me too to gauge the interest and I have so many people that are so comfortable messaging me online. So I'll send them the actual photos and then they'll be like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'll be like, okay, don't tell anyone. And I'll have these, you know, intimate conversations with my customers so that they also feel like they're a part of the design process because they very much are. So 
that's my answer. It's a little sparkle, a little hype, and a lot of storytelling. I think that's great advice. 100% great advice. Okay, so I want to talk about Bali. Okay. Yeah, so tell us about, you know, finding Bali and a little bit about, like, what – so you talked a little bit about your design process. Tell us a little bit about, like, the manufacturing process and, you know, how you decided to to work with, you know – other humans making your product and, you know, how that system works. Because again, I mean, I think, like I said, we have a lot of product-based businesses in our circle. And I think one of the things that people get stuck with, and this is maybe a big statement, but like people think they have to make their own products. And I'm not saying like you don't have, you don't have complete ownership over this process, but I think people think that like they have to make every little step of their product. And I think that's beautiful, but I think that there is room to outsource. You know, for example, when I was starting, I was doing these uterus pouches and I was, you know, sewing each one and screen printing each one. And oh my goodness, I'm so glad I'm not screen printing any of my own things anymore. Like I don't, (laughs) I don't have time for that. You know, none of these other things would exist. So yeah. So anyways, I would love to hear a little bit more about like some of the logistics of the manufacturing process and how that feels and how that process works for you. So I started going to Bali, I think in 2013, I went initially as the tail end of a, of a work trip that I did to China. And I knew that they had exceptionally talented artisans there. And I didn't know much else. I knew that it was a beautiful place and that I really wanted to go. But I also subconsciously slash like kind of consciously was doing some research. So the first thing I really had to sit with, I guess, is like you were saying that that identity piece of, you know, I'm a maker, but what am I giving up? And I felt completely comfortable becoming a creative director more so than a maker because, and I'll tell you absolutely everything, there are so many steps to this process and my fingers are in all of them. And I really do think that There's beauty to being able to scale your business to a place where you can live the life you want to live. And for me, I knew that I was not going to be able to create the business I envisioned for myself alone. And that did come with certain challenges. I wasn't eligible for certain markets anymore because my pieces were not all handmade in Canada. And that was that was just something I was willing to let go of. Because I knew that there was there was a pull, there was some sort of energetic pull that I was having to move towards becoming more of the brand visionary, the creative director, as opposed to being at my bench forever, <laughs> forever and then some to create these orders and also not necessarily having the talent in silver and goldsmithing that I wanted to have. And having already done so much schooling, I didn't want to go back. And I didn't want to invest in that way. I felt like I had to make a call and really think about, okay, like what, where are your strengths? Where are your passions? My passion is not sitting at a bench for 12 hours a day. My passion is telling a story and creating beautiful jewelry. And if I feel okay with having people help me do that, then I'm going to go do that. So I discovered my first silversmith. His name's Made. He's still a very dear friend of mine. I discovered him by 
chance, really. I knew that there was a village in Bali called Chaluk, and that's where a lot of the silver and goldsmiths reside. So Rod and I, I remember we woke up so early and it was like early and the sun was beating down on us and we were driving. The driver dropped us off at the kind of tail end of this road and he just kind of pointed. And so Rod and I started walking along this busy road that had no sidewalk and he's already sunburned. Like it's like 8.30 and we hadn't eaten breakfast. And I remember just like throwing up a prayer being like, if I am meant to find what I need to find today, let that happen. But if not, I know that I don't need to look here again. I can move to a different part and that's okay. And Made's studio was maybe the third or fourth studio I went in. And I could just tell that his craftsmanship and his, honestly, his smile and his energy really just attracted me to him. And I love, I love his family and we just got on really well. So he was the first silversmith that I used. And then our company grew kind of, I don't want to say outgrew, but Made was such a beautiful step in my journey. And I knew that I had to take another one. So then we found our current production studio and it is absolutely incredible. They also source all of the gemstones from India for us and they're all hand cut to order. There's no surplus. We're using everything we need to use in small, very small batches. And it has been an ongoing journey. I mean, anybody who does production overseas will tell you that it is not easy. But if you can stick it out and create those relationships, and for us going to Bali every year and creating that consistency and you know, we were teaching each other what was possible and what we liked. And I've learned so much from them. And I think that it has been very reciprocated. You know, we, we both are just in awe of each other when we go down there, all of us. We're, we're just so happy to all work together. And, and so my relationship with my production studio is, is very special to me. And I have, I'm so grateful for them. And I, I certainly do not miss that bench. I do not miss that bench and that's okay. And I had to just be okay with that at the beginning. And I'm so grateful that I am because I can, I can now run the business alongside Rod in a way that feels really aligned for us. And I know that everyone makes choices that, that sit right with them. And for us, this was the perfect move. And then I also get to go to Bali every winter and get out of cold Canada for two months. So you got to build the life you, you want, right? Yes. I literally got shivers during when you were saying that because it's so spot on. And I think you just had some potent info and stories in that little just talking about Bali. So I think that's so important too for people to decide what's right for them and, you know, to think about what it could be like if someone else, you know, was doing some of those things that they don't necessarily want to do anymore. And that can be like a, you know, a large encompassment of, you know, whatever, you know, making or, you know, other sort of business attributes that you need to hand off to someone else. And I think that's, you have to do that to grow. I mean, unless you, you know, I think there's a happy medium of, you know, being a solo entrepreneur and really being a solo entrepreneur and not outsourcing. But again, you only have so many hours in a day. So starting to think beyond what you can do, I think is imperative for growth. And I love delegation. I'm also very fascinated by pace, like the pace of people's Mm. lives. I also need a lot of downtime and I'm constantly 
you know, wanting to improve the quality of my life and the, the quality of my business. So if I can have the right people positioned accordingly and be able to bring that, that beautiful supportive energy into what I do, that's the dream. Okay. So you said you're good at delegating. And so Virgo here also, I would love to hear a little bit about your delegation also, because it's something that I'm getting better at, but like, I'm sort of, it's sort of new for me. So, and I'm sure it's a new for a lot of our listeners. So tell us a little bit about how do you, you know, relinquish control a and B, how do you sort of handle, you know, that delegation and, and managing a team? Well, the management of the the Bali team is is quite easy because they're already very established in their roles. So I basically just contact who I need to contact when I need to contact them and everything flows very smoothly. The delegation between Rod and I, so Rod is my fiance, we've been together for 11 years and he joined the company full-time about four years ago. And I was so excited for him to join because he has a complementary but very opposite brain to mine. So he does a lot of the businessy side of things. I take on more of the creative role. So if you have ever gotten a customer service email from Zaleska, you've likely talked to Rod, even though it maybe said Sylvia. <laughs> Usually it says Rod. He does all of the the shipping and receiving. He does a lot of the ordering and the restocking. He also is an incredible asset to me in terms of just, you know, kind of like Danielle having that sounding board, even more so now that we are so deeply intertwined as as both of us work full time on Zaleska. So delegation for me came very easy because I knew I couldn't hold it all. And I didn't necessarily want to. So I guess the advice that you're asking me me to give is, you know, figure out what you really, really, really love about your business, what lights you up, what you want to wake up and do every single morning. And then whatever that isn't, give that job to someone else when you feel ready and when you when you can. Yes. So how is it working with your fiance? It's really fun. I mean, it can also be really difficult, but for the most part, we have very different work schedules. He likes to wake up in the morning. His laptop is out immediately. He is in the inbox. He's got things sorted. And then I kind of float in two hours later in a silk caftan and he tells me what I need to know. But in all honesty, we do really complement each other. And I think that a lot of that boils down to our ability to communicate with each other. We've been together for so long that I can tell in in three seconds if something's stressing him out or if I can take something off of his plate or if he can take something off of mine. We also are, you know, we're really good at telling each other when we're done working you know, and we also don't put a lot of limitation or judgment on when the other person wants to work. I often prefer to work at night. I find a lot of my ideas come through at night, whereas he is an early, early riser for the most part. So it's nice too, because we run the company from our one bedroom apartment in Vancouver. So in the mornings, he does kind of have his own time in our dining room office to be able to set the tone for his day. And then in the evening, I can also take over and explode my whatever I'm doing that day and and create alongside each other. And then there are also moments that, you know, you've got this person in your business all the time. And, you know, I want to paint a very real picture of the fact that 
you know, finances are a thing. We talk about it all the time. And, you know, if I go shopping, that shared pool is very much a shared pool. And (laughs) it's really great too, because Rod is so good with our finances. And I also have learned so much from him. But we definitely have our moments where, you know, he thinks one thing and I think the other, and we have the opportunity to sit down and kind of check our egos and be like, okay, what is actually the best route for us right now? Because I hear what you're saying, but I also like really don't agree with you. So let's, let's try and meet halfway. So it's very much like a relationship that has an extra layer on it. And it makes things really fun most of the time. And sometimes it makes it complicated, but we always end up finding our way back to each other at the end of the day. So. I feel very grateful to have him. And do you think you're going to hire anyone else on this side of things? Or are you pretty comfortable with the format of your company right now? Or I don't know. What are you thinking? Well, we have this pipe dream. I've been talking about it more because I really want to manifest it. And Rod's kind of like, okay, but I kind of want to move to France for three months next year because we've been building this business for a very long time. And I love the idea of really putting the systems that we've put into action, like actually, you know, employing them so that they, they work for us. So we have the production set aside, we have the marketing set aside, those we do production, we do out of house marketing, we do in house. And there's all these, these things that we've kind of nailed. And I want to be able to go and dip myself into different places. And so I guess I would hire for shipping if we were to go. And that probably would be my mom, Mercedes, who has done it for us every time we've gone to Bali. And she's just like an absolute gem. So I don't feel the need to grow the team at this time. I'm really enjoying how much we both have. I mean, I think Rod and I would both tell you that we don't feel overwhelmed at this time. We've really optimized our systems to be able to work for the two of us. But that being said, I mean, I would love to be able to one day hire, but I just don't know what that will look like and where in the world I'll be and how we'll do it. That's so exciting though. I love that you're not overwhelmed. That's amazing. And also you said you're not overwhelmed because your systems are optimized. That sentence right there is is like pure gold for me. And I would love, I would love to be there. <laughs> so I just think that's beautiful. Thank you. Okay. But so let's talk about size inclusivity. So, you know, we love that your brand offers inclusive rings, and you've mentioned that a couple of times. And the education that you do around this. So why is this a conversation we need to be having? And I'm using we as in literally everyone and also brands? Okay. That's a big question. Well, I, first of all, it's also really simple. We need to be having it because people with bodies that are not quote unquote standard sizes exist and there's plenty of them. And in my experience, you know, I literally started making jewelry because I couldn't find anything that suited my personal style that I wanted to wear. I certainly could find a plain silver or gold band in the men's section of, you know, the jewelry store or the department store. But there was nothing that was created with an intention to include everyone. And so I would really love to not be special for this reason. I would love for more people to realize that, you know, size inclusion is actually an incredible way to grow your business. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. And 
it's so important to be able to have, I was just, I actually just had a really beautiful experience the other day. I'm working with Michelle from Body Posi Power. She is a wonderful person who everyone should follow on Instagram. And I was gifting her a ring and we met a few days ago at my friend Sally's store. And she was like, oh, I think I'm a size eight. I was like, okay, well, I brought a few extra sizes. I was like, well, would you like to try a ring on your middle finger or maybe your pointer finger? And she looked at me and she was like, I've actually never had that option before. And that moment for me wow, landed so, it resonated with me because I want to be able, I am a fashionable person. I love I love fashion. I purchase, I purchase special things and I have the budget to do so. And to be able to walk into a store and buy something off the rack isn't a luxury that has ever really been primarily afforded to my body type. So to be able to have a brand that automatically is not only larger sizes, we we make ring sizes in stock, ready to ship up to a size 11 that look exactly like everyone else's. And we're bringing in 12s this year, but we're also making fours. And with accessories, I think it is important to have the conversation that, you know, smaller fingers are also size inclusion. And a lot of brands out there are making sizes five to eight, maybe nine. If you're lucky, you'll find a 10. But when I launched my sizes fours and 11s last year, And I really stepped into telling my personal story with this part of who I am and this problem that I was trying to solve for myself. Those were the first sizes to sell out. So size inclusion in the accessories industry in particular is basically, I mean, I don't want to say it's non-existent because there are some brands out there, but there are very few. And I think I am the only only brand in Canada currently stocking ready to ship sizes from four to 11 in rings. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have nothing to say about that. So, I mean, thank you for sharing that. And so let me, I want to hear a little bit about how, you know, you've been stepping into modeling as well and how this complements your brand a, and the educational work that you're doing around size include size inclusivity. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Well, I have, had a really beautiful experience with modeling ever since I was, you know, in my early, early twenties. I never did a lot of it though. It would kind of just be if someone asked, or if I had a personal connection to like a friend's brand, it was nothing really, really big. And then in September of last year, I had this moment, I sat down with myself and I was like, girl, you need a hobby. Like you need a creative hobby. And I wasn't even thinking modeling. I was like, okay, you need to do something that will get you out the door. Don't go and be a ceramicist. Like you don't have any room in your apartment to bring anything home. So like, don't even think about it. That's what I thought this year too. I wanted to be a ceramicist too. <laughs> so I hear you on that. That That's my hobby that I need to start. <laughs> I think it's because you automatically think that ceramics is just like such a soothing thing and very grounding thing to do. But anyways, turns out, I did this creative shoot with my dear friend, Christine Kofsky of the Portrait Sessions. And she and I had so much fun. And I just brought these things from my closet. And we were just collaborating so hard in the moment and just going off of each other's vibe. And I posted one of the photos that we shot together in September. 
literally just, I mean, it feels like two seconds ago. And I literally wrote out, I was like, this is my declaration. Like you are going to see more of me on the internet. I am stepping into this. I'm very excited to do so. I think that I'm able to do this and I feel very, I feel very called to be an example, a visual example of a different body type in media and I'm ready, you know, hit me, let's do this. And then right away, things started rolling in with brands I truly admire. So that has been a really cool byproduct of me stepping into my story with Zaleska and really starting to talk about my journey with, you know, my relationship with my body even. So it's been very cool. And I feel very honored to be a part of it. Because when I like I think of younger, younger people who don't see, well, I mean, the world has changed so much. But when I was in high school, the only body type that I felt super, super connected to that was even like a close example to mine was Queen Latifah. Like that's all I really had to reference style wise. So to be able to put myself out there and just like bring my A game and make an effort to step outside of my comfort zone and step into this world, which it has been so rewarding. So that's been the journey so far. So fun too. I love that. It's now your like hobby, (laughs) but like, I'm sure you're also, it's like a side hustle too. I'm sure you're, you know, showing up on so many shoots. I mean, it sounds amazing. Honestly, if I were to hire, I don't even think I would hire for Zaleska. I would hire a personal assistant for my modeling that's like happening right now because I went from one inbox that was like, you know, hot to now a second one where I'm going through my spam mail all the time being like, okay, I don't want to accidentally not see something. And I'm going into this world that I, I didn't necessarily plan on doing, but I'm so excited about it because it very much is this creative outlet for me. And it is so much fun. So yeah, that's what I'm up to these days. And I'm really enjoying it. So you don't have like representation or anything. You're handling all the booking and everything. I do. I have an agent, a commercial agent, as well as a modeling agent, but I also self-represent. So anything that comes directly to me for the most part I'm happy to self-represent in that way. And then there are some jobs that come through through them, but I really enjoy working with small businesses. And I love the fact that small businesses are starting to really consider extending their sizes. I've been consulting with both small and large businesses on grading fit and design. And you know, I've, I've lived in this body my entire life. I know what I'm looking for when I'm shopping. So it's cool to have accidentally fallen into a consultant role as well. It's just the craziest thing, but I'm, I'm loving it. So what should brands know when they're thinking about extending their sizes? Anything that you can give them to look for or to, I don't know, any advice? Yeah. Ask the people who they're extending for what they want to see and how they'd like to wear it. And don't just don't just grade, don't do a standard grading, you know, use real bodies. Bodies come in all different shapes and sizes. And and especially when you are looking to create out of the standard, you really want to be able to think of like, you know, where are the seams at? Are your, when your thighs rub together, is it going to be painful? You know, are you making jeans that are too tight that won't stretch or or I mean that's just like a really random example but 
now that I'm put on the spot, I'm like grasping for ideas. But the reality is, you know, get feedback from the people that you are going to be designing for and also make sure that you shoot them so that when people shop on your website, they know that these sizes exist for them. And if you're a major retailer, you better be stocking those sizes in your department stores. And I know that there's a whole other thing right now about that and that it doesn't, you know, it, it takes a little bit longer and, and, you know, there are so many different ways to do that. And it's not just like a overnight thing, but I really think that there is an industry here that needs to step up and needs to realize that people have the ability to ask for what they want. And a lot of people are asking for more clothing in, in sizes that will fit them. Yeah. I mean, it's wild to me, for instance, I'll speak from personal experience. Like, you know, so I don't manufacture our items, right? I buy the blanks from companies and then we get them screen printed Mm -hmm. that I design. But, you know, a lot of these companies where you buy blanks from their top size is, you know, XL. Like, and we've, you know, we've managed to find 2X or 3X, but it's rare. Like, it's just hard to find. And so I think some of these other, I just think, everyone needs to get on board because it affects other businesses also, right? So yeah, I mean, what sort of advice do you have for maybe brands that A, can't maybe access materials or resources for access to bigger sizes or, you know, even different sizes? A lot of our shirts, like our sweatshirts have extra small, but our shirts don't come in extra small. And Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest like objection I get from other humans when they're sort of thinking about how, how many sizes to stock is, you know, pricing. And I don't know any thoughts about any of the things that I'm saying. I just think the level of access needs to happen on all of the directions. Any thoughts about any of that? (laughs) I mean, I'm certainly, I'm not an expert when it comes to like clothing production But I will say that it is important for people to ask their their production houses why they aren't stocking them and what that would look like. I do think that, you know, that is a first step. It's certainly the first thing I would do. But that totally, it totally depends on the business. It totally depends if, I mean, if you're using dead stock fabric, that's a completely different story. You know, there's so many facets of this industry. And I think that that's why this conversation can be so varied. And there are so like, I'm still learning so much about it as someone who's coming in from, from a different perspective, being, you know, being in accessories and also obviously being a a size 14, 16 woman. but we need to start questioning more of these practices because I think that they're really starting to become updated. Yes. I think that's a great first step too. just asking, asking any of the, you know, the vendors that you use, why don't you have this? I think that's great advice. And do you have a plan for the future? Like, are you planning on extending? Do you, have you thought about it? Just dropping the seed. Love it. Yay. Okay. Well, this has been so amazing talking to you, Sylvia. It's great to connect with you on a personal level. And I think this conversation is literally chock full of gems from, I mean, for all of the reasons. And I think, you know, product-based business owners and service-based business owners will really get a lot out of this. So thank you. Do you want to tell people where we can find you? 
Yes. So you can find Zaleska Jewelry at zaleska.ca online as well as on Instagram at Zaleska Jewelry. And you can find my personal Instagram. It's at sylvia.tenant. And you have a coupon code for our listeners for a limited time, don't you? I do. Do you want to tell them what it is? Yes. So if you use this code, you can use this code till April 30th and code GIRLGANG for 20% off. And that includes the sales section and I believe 10 karat gold as well. So it's going to be fun. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. It's so nice to connect with you and I can't wait to meet you in real life one day. It has been many years in the making and I just am so thrilled for all that you're doing and I cannot wait to attend one of your events in the future. Someday, someday. Well, thank you so much, Sylvia. And listeners, go get shopping, check out her page, give her both accounts a follow and, you know, treat yourself to something nice. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.